The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind... Oh, welcome to Behind the Scenes. Not back, we just started. I'm Summer Helene, mm-hmm. and we are on with my co-host, host and militant moderate, Paul Michael Boland. G'day, Paul. Hey, that, that technically could work. We were off for a week, so welcome back. We were. That was a break. Welcome back. Yep, mm-hmm. and for those that are new, welcome uh, Welcome for the first time, I guess. Fair enough. Did I, I don't think I pulled that off very well. Uh, well, the best as he could. And uh, since neither one of us know how to work technology for any really... Big sort of uh, with any regular consistency, uh, we didn't get a chance to pre-talk. So what no. are we talking about? Th- what are we talking about today? Well, Hollywood, Hollywood, and more Hollywood, and a couple of fights coming up, and a whole bunch of stuff. It's very, very exciting. Uh, we have our guest on today is someone you know. It's Jared Fiorda. He's an MMA fighter. He's actually got a fight tomorrow, but there are a whole bunch of fights going on right now. And he has, uh, he actually put together one of the things we sponsor every time we swear, which is free MMA. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, I guess they've got Anderson Silva going in there to teach classes. They've got Oscar De La Hoya going in there to teach classes. Oh, um, I know that name. I know that name. You know that yeah. one? <laughs> he's like, I know that not one. Sure. It's because uh, he's sure. a boxer, right? Now, he's not an MMA guy, right? No. He's retired, too, if I'm not mistaken. He is, until he's not running for political office. Eh, well, you know, that's that's what we need. More people uh, more people in office have taken a lot of multiple shots at the head. I think we've already got that. I think we've had that for a long, for a while, quite a while now. I'm going with Patton, General Patton. All right, so we have that. Uh, uh, what do we we have? Uh, of course, Jared's coming on the show, so it'll be, yeah. be like an MMA talk for the last half of the show, which I just don't have anything to offer. I'm, sorry. I'm well. Mostly, we're talking about press and what they do, and it's actually funny to watch because uh, I've been hanging out with him, and he's got his fight tomorrow. Um, he's got one in Riverside and then he's got another one gladiator in like a month, but I'm looking at him right now and he's actually standing here covered in a spray tan in like, um, like jockey underwear and boy, does he look angry. (laughs) Apparently the getting punched part, they don't mind, but having to stop yourself to make weight. That would be like first on my list. All right. You know. Ooh, I got to lose weight. No, no, no. Punch in the face. Ah! Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're all You're they're they're all good with being um pun- with with being punched in the face, mm. but not so good with um getting spray tanned and starving. Okay. All right. Spray- I'll take a spray tan any day of the week where we're getting punched in the face by a 10-year-old. Right? You think so? You yeah, right? You think no, no, that would I know be, like, so. This one I know. Open. You he's think that would be... He's, he's, Jared is very different than I am. I think he's very different. It takes a very special breed of person to make money by being punched in the face. 
I gotta say though, like I have, I've had conversations with Jared where I'm just like, how, how do you do this? He's like, I don't know. I've never broken a bone. Like he's never broken a bone. He's never gotten like a broken nose. He's never, he's never gotten hurt, which either means he's really good or really lucky. I don't know. Broken bone, (laughs) broken nose. I mean, hell, I've, I've broken two bones in my life, life, a finger and a, and my elbow, but that's it. I find it interesting. Like the guys that are putting on this fight are USKO and USKO was a kickboxing organization, but since MMA has gotten bigger, um, they're doing an MMA fight night. So this is their first MMA one through USKO and it's interesting to watch all these guys transitioning because all the kickboxers are transitioning to um, MMA fighters, all the boxers. Uh, everyone's like doing MMA because it, it's more popular now. So we're like losing our boxers and kickboxers and everything. But what I find so bizarre, sorry, I'm yawning. I'm really tired. What I find bizarre about the whole thing is how they have to go through. Um, I know Jared's going to call in whenever he does. If you could please put him through A-Rod, I would appreciate that. Um, But what I find so bizarre about them is how they're able to do this. Like, if you tell me you have to lose weight for this, cool, I've done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as have I. And I I can lose weight for something, but having to do what they do, like, they fluctuate 30 pounds in a week. Mm. Yeah, I know wrestlers do that uh, cutting, uh, but yeah, but why the spray tan? You'll have to ask him. Okay, I'm just that. Uh, you know, he's 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 a rather pale individual, so I mean that. Oh, um, it's actually a kind of a good idea. I I, I know the answer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it now. Mm-hmm. With pale individuals, they show bruising and redness more than most people. And a tan oh, okay. shows off your muscles better. So he looks more muscular when he's spray tanned. When he gets hit, he doesn't look as red and bruised because he's spray tanned. So he's doing the spray tan for psychological reasons. Pretty much, yeah. And I he mean, doesn't. Not, not, not for his own psychological reasons, but as in to, so that the other guy thinks that he's not not hurting him pretty much yeah i find the whole thing bizarre because i think jared has enough hair that they could just brush him and do a comb over and it would look fine uh comb over on his chest spray tan <laughs> i'm not seeing it i'm not gonna be able to draw any parallels for that at all today <laughs> it's i just find it interesting i mean it's all part of entertainment you know mm. um i work with a lot of guys in the sports field I had a, I'm really oh, tired. You guys will have to excuse me. I have, I've had a lot of guys. I've worked with a lot of guys in the sports arena. I've dated a lot of guys in the sports arena. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Raiders, a lot of Lakers, that sort of thing. But um, I've never understood the psychology behind it because it's a form of entertainment. I don't understand. I just don't. I, it, I although I watch football, you know, I'm just sorry. It's just a little too violent for me, but. But I'll be happy to watch Jared fight if that's what he wants to do. So, watching Jared fight is a new level of is a new level of dark. 
doesn't get frazzled. I'm used to these guys that are pumping themselves up and going, ah, before they go in. And Jared's just chill. Because you get near a lot of fighters that sit there and they're like, oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Jared's just like, yeah, we're going to have fun. Who do you okay, think well, win? I... Well, me, he's going to be unconscious, but it'll be fun. So he's, at least he's polite about it. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't like mocking his opponents. He really respects the sport. I think that comes from coming from a martial arts background. Well, but, I learned the only thing that I can say that I tried to talk trash in like uh, years ago was in fantasy football. But I found that the uh, wider you open your mouth, the bigger shot you got to put the foot in it. I agree with that. Not saying that he's not going to have a problem with this fight this weekend, but, you know, I get it. It's just, it's not even that. I don't think it goes with his personality, and I think Conor McGregor's kind of played it out. Well, he looked like he took a few uh, pages out of the WWE playbook. Yeah, he did. It's it's pretty bizarre. I'm never going to understand that. Um, but we do have write-ins, call-ins, and everything else, so we've got a bunch of questions for Jared. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of The Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Bolland, and we'll be right back after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer-Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric Easy Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You 
are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and I do want to give a quick shout-out to Adrian Alcantar Hair Studio. Thank you for always making me red carpet ready. Aspen Mills Bread Company. We love that you give so much to charity. Uh, Michael Myers, CHT. No shit, there is a hypnotherapist called Michael Myers. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California. Thank you for always giving us wonderful giveaways of ATV rides. The new Palm Springs Diet, if you want to get skinny, great way to go. Hair by Stacy, uh, Jen Marie's Lash Loft, and Impression Design T-shirts. And thank you to Quality Inn, because I believe they are putting uh, Jared up and the fighters are uh, Jared up for the fight. And our giveaways this week are for uh, rides at Off-Road Rentals and a float at True Rest, Sedona, or Las Vegas. I would love to welcome to the show my co-host, Paul Michael Bolin. I know I've introduced him. I'm really tired. People fucking yeah, bear with me. Yeah, we've been talking the last 15, so yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Here. I'd like to remind everyone, every time we swear, we give money to <laughs> the Boys and Girls Club of America, uh, the Humane Society of America, and what? Free oh. MMA. What? Oh. Uh, and speaking of Free MMA, we have the uh, creator of Free MMA and... Our guest for today, he's a fighter and a really cool guy. We actually support a charity he put together, which you can tell us all about in a minute, Jared Fjorda. G'day, Jared. Hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not stuck standing still with a spray tan. How are you doing? Stuck standing still with a spray tan. How are you enjoying that? Yeah, I, I know it's tactical. I know it's for the, for the better of my fight. But I got to tell you, standing still for six hours just isn't pleasurable. But you don't mind the getting in the punched in the face part? No, I don't mind that at all. You know, heat of the moment, adrenaline. You don't always feel everything. But you do feel your feet fall asleep when you don't move for, enough period of, uh, for a long enough period of time. Well, now here was uh, Paul's question. We were talking earlier. I told him you'd never broken a bone. How have you pulled that off? You've been doing martial arts since you were six. Well, you know, I've been, I was really, really careful and quite frankly, just going through the motions, getting really good. You learn what to protect, what you can give away for one moment. You know, typically someone kicks you in the shoulder, you're going to be okay. Someone punches you in the nose, you might break a nose. So you got to learn to avoid uh, the really bad shots and hopefully you don't trip over something, you know? I'll tell you what though, you can stub your toe on those mats every day of your life. (laughs) Seriously, you're fine in the fights, but the mats hurt your feet. I'm telling you, you, one wrong kick, one wrong step, and you're gonna you're gonna be sitting down for a few minutes. We should have got someone on that gets punched more. It would have been more entertaining. <laughs> but did, I think that means we would have had to get a worse fighter on. Isn't that isn't isn't that how it goes? The more you get punched, the worse you are at this. I think everyone's gonna get hit, no matter what you do. But how many times and where you get hit is what matters. Now, we've had, uh, we don't get a lot of fighters on the show. We've had a couple. What, do you, what would you recommend to people that want to get into doing this? As far as people who want to, who want to cage fight as a career? Yes. 
You know, I'd say the most important thing is not a matter of training. It's not a matter of how well you can cut weight or not a matter of the diets you're on. You have to really love it because in a split second, you can go from perfectly fine to broken bones. You can go from conscious to unconscious, alive to dead. So you have to, it has to be something that you really, really love because the risk factor is just very, very high. So for anyone who's looking to get into this, please understand that if you want this to be your lifestyle, you want this to be your career, you have to get to that point, uh, that mental stage where you understand that, okay, my job, my new job, my fighting job could end at any moment inside that cage. And once you understand that, everything else comes naturally, the dieting, the training, because that's where you really start to love every aspect of it. When you can accept the risk, you can really start to reap the benefits of the sport. Do you love the cutting the white pot? It does make me look awesome. You've been screaming for two days about not being able to have water. Oh, I'm very thirsty, but that's... that's <laughs> Again, you you learn to you learn to love it. You learn to live with it. Okay, who is your favorite fighter? I have many, but my favorite fighter right now is probably uh, Donald Cerrone. I don't know who that is. He's a UFC lightweight. He's known for being very calm and cool, but very technical. Everyone else throws those big haymaker shots. Those. Big old kicks because they want to get that knockout, but this man will stand there and he can hit you precisely with five different shots and take you right off your feet. I like it. Who do you think the best fighter of all time is? The best fighter of all time, you know what, you're going to catch me there because it's actually, <laughs> if you can mix Anderson Silva from the UFC and Bruce Lee from before he died, like in his heyday, that would be the ultimate fighter. And uh, we'll call him Bruce Ali. So it would be like Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee. Yeah, that's a good that's a good example. I like that. So, what did you think of the issue with Conor McGregor and um, Khabib with the fight, the brawl that broke out, the post-fight brawl? That's got more press than the actual fight. <laughs> yeah, and I just recently them up to have a yeah, round two. To be honest well, with you, the, pardon. Jared? Oh, I just think it really set them up to do a second fight. Well, what do you think of the fighters doing all that? So uh, apparently what happened, Paul, was the there was a fight between Khabib and Conor McGregor. Khabib won. They got into a fight afterwards. Not them, but like their people jumped Conor McGregor and Khabib jumped in. And the, Jared, you can explain it better. So... Conor, as a backstory, Conor McGregor had been antagonizing, insulting, taking jabs at Khabib, and at some point, Khabib stopped retorting. He stopped fighting back verbally. But as you watch through their match, it was uh, you, you, could, you could absolutely see the difference in skill and power. I mean, Khabib took him to town. I thought you liked so Conor McGregor. After the, oh, I do like Conor McGregor. Absolutely, and I would have liked to see him win that fight. It was just so clearly not. He tapped out. It just was. It wasn't his day. He couldn't back up what he was saying. What do you think about their behavior afterwards? That's kind of the big thing that everyone talked about. You know, you you have to leave that stuff in the cage. I, I find it absolutely appalling that 
fighters will hop out and attack other people or teammates will jump into the cage to get back at someone else. No matter what's going on, you leave all that bad energy, that, that bad blood, you leave it in the cage on the canvas. And you get to shake hands and you move on. That's what makes us martial artists. And it gives MMA fighters, martial artists, anyone in the sport a really bad name by them acting out in that manner. Well, I mean, people in the MMA, like MMA fighters don't exactly have the best reputation anyway. Wasn't there one of the guys that went crazy and like went on a killing spree? We don't like to talk about that one. <laughs> okay, well, why are no, these guys I'm so unhinged as compared to other fighters? Getting punched you, in the you face. Know, <laughs> just kind of throwing it out there, you know. If well, I why do you give think my these guys opinion. are so much rougher than, like, boxers didn't... I don't remember boxers behaving like that. Well, you know, if I had to give my best opinion on something like that, it's being actively training on a daily basis to receive damage, to combat it, counter it, be so full of adrenaline on a daily basis that even the smallest things can kind of, uh, you know, mess with your senses or send you into a, a bad head trip. And it could be completely by mistake. You know, you could be walking down the street, one actually bumps into you, but your first reaction to physical contact is to turn on and belt that person. And so I think fighter, I think there are obviously cases where fighters lost their minds and did something crazy. And then there's some cases that I think the fighters reacted poorly due to such a mental conditioning of how to react to people touching you or being forcibly uh, touched or grabbed or pulled or anything of that matter. I knew um, a guy, he was a, a kickboxer, and he ended up assaulting his girlfriend in their sleep. Granted, he couldn't move very well. He was really tired. You know, what? I don't know much about that. I'm not going to say what did or did not happen. I hope, it was, I hope it was actually accidental, for sure. No, he sat up. He was, he was completely asleep, sat up, punched her, laid back down. It was right before he had a contest. Oh, yeah. That's, that's actually really common. You know, I even had an instructor, and I personally experienced this myself, where you get so involved in your training and your movements, and that even if you have a small dream about doing some training or sparring, you could really act out in the physical world, and if anyone's near you, they're going to feel it. Maybe lightly, you know, you're going to feel like you're pushing them softly with the palm of your hand or something, but it's very possible. Have you ever punched a girl in your sleep? Absolutely. <laughs> So, so this is like a common thing. You guys just beat people up in their sleep. I don't know if it's for everyone, but I know that the people I've talked to or confided in trying to find support absolutely told me similar stories. <sighs> what's what's going on, Paul? I have no idea at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so what is? Does it the just make you want to go out and date an MMA fighter? Yeah, Paul does not want to date an MMA fighter now. No, I don't see that in my future, no. no. <laughs> Afraid she'll just turn around and beat you up, Paul? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> I, I really don't know a way around that. Quite. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. That, yep, 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 yep. What are the fighters most afraid of? Like, what are you most afraid of when you walk into the cage? Aside most afraid of, uh, it's a, you know, it's an interesting question. I'd have to say you're generally afraid of taking the damage and what shots are coming in, but it's not so much fear, you know. It's 
it's almost like an instinct. It's, you know, you can obviously stand, let's say you stand in the street and a car's coming, your first instinct is to get out of the way of the car, but your adrenaline kicks in, a little bit of fear kicks in, because what if you didn't move fast enough? And that's what you feel in the cage. You're looking at the guy, you're sizing him up, you're going through the motions of it, learning how he's going to punch or kick you. And all the while you're thinking, okay, he's going to hit me this way, so I can do this. He's going to move this way, so I'll move that way. And so it's almost like a natural reaction or natural instinct to try to avoid those shots, but that instinct is what keeps you alive, keeps you from taking unnecessary damage. Some, some of the greatest fighters in the world, you'll almost see them completely back away, from a, back away from a punch or a kick and come back with their own stuff just to avoid the damage. Well, it's true. It's going to mess your brain up. You get smacked there enough. Um, right. Your, your, body is your, your body is your career, and so the more damage you take, the less of a job and less time you have to make something out of it for yourself. Well, here's my next question. You've been in a lot of fights. What was your best fight? What was your was well? What fight? What was your best fight? What fight did you learn the most from? What was your best fight? I'd say my best fight was the one I lost almost in 47 seconds. As far you as a learning it. standpoint, your oh, best it, fight it was, was the was fight you my... lost in how many seconds? 47 seconds. It was, it was literally <laughs> one of my very first fights ever. But you know what? You learn the most from your failures. And it was a very quick submission. And so I immediately stepped up all my wrestling, all my jujitsu, and I've learned so much from that. And, you know, you can take your victories and be so proud of yourself for that, but you're not going to learn as much than someone who beats you up. That way you can see what you did wrong and improve upon it so that it never happens again. I'm still stuck on the fact that you lost a fight in 47 seconds. Don't make fun of me. I'm not. I, I think that, but the fact that you're calling that your best fight, I actually think is kind of cool. Because I don't think anyone looks at it from that perspective. Well, there's, there's two people who really, who generally get into the fight game. And that is people who can understand failure, accept it, and move on, taking the best aspects from it and make sure it never happens again. And then there's the people who uh, face failure and then essentially just cry and go home and don't come back. I suppose that's true, because at some point you're going to lose. It doesn't matter how good you are. Absolutely. You're going to have defeat somewhere along the line, no matter what happens. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, all these amazing fighters have lost fights. Uh, so it's, it's how you come back to it and what you do with that loss that really makes the fighter. So, your two fav fight, favorite fighters you were saying were Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee, or Bruce Ali. Yes, that'd be, that'd be the, a beautiful combination of the both of them. Okay, so this Bruce Ali fighter that you've made up, um, why, why, why do you like him versus the fighters that exist today? I think... Bruce Lee himself and Muhammad Ali both, both encumbered the most important aspect of fighting, and that is you get in, you do as much damage as possible, and you get out before anyone touches you. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That was Muhammad Ali that said right. that. Br Bruce Lee. Right. <laughs> that was Bruce Lee. All right, we'll talk more about Bruce Lee when we come back. Um, I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of The Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Bolin, and our very special guest, uh, Jared Fjorda. And we'll be right back after this.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we're on with my co-host, host of Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Boland, and our very special guest, Jared Fjorda. Uh, I got a note from the person in charge of your publicity saying I'm supposed to remind them that your name is Bear. Is this a sexuality yes, thing, it, or why No, bail? no, no, no. So a lot of fighters actually come up with their nicknames, or they get their, their teammates call them these cool nicknames and everything, and so they get it through their training. But I actually received the nickname Bear when I was very, very young, in fact, uh, about the time I was born, because my mom decided she was going to nickname me Bear. <laughs> so these guys all pick really cool nicknames, and you got yours because your mommy calls you Bear? Yes. And I stand by it every day. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know okay that's, yeah, that's fair. Okay. That's cool. Oh. I, yeah, I, I can't say anything about that. You know what? That's like, I, you know, guy, I get that. Guys pick out these really cool, aggressive Nobody nicknames. Nobody talks about mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. No, it's, it's like that Elvis thing. It's the, oh, mama. <laughs> uh, you know, that being said, I've met Jared's mom. She's a very cool lady. And he, uh, he definitely is a, a mama's boy. How did you get into doing this? My mom. <laughs> Speaking of mom, my mom, okay. Well, it's just, my dad passed away when I was really young, about five years old. And so I got 
really, really aggressive in school, and I didn't know where to put that energy, and I'd go around, you know, pretending I was an airplane, just kind of punching kids in the face along the way. And my mom decided that if I was going to be angry and hitting people, I was going to do it proactively, so she put me in my first martial arts class, and uh, I, I never stopped. I went to competitions, I attained my first black belt at the age of 14, and began teaching classes at that age, and it all eventually just led into mixed martial arts. You were teaching at 14? You were teaching at 14? Yes, I was. At 14, I couldn't put lipstick on right. And he was it trusted makes to teach better. other children. I wouldn't children. have been able to at all. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit lost for the words. I didn't learn how to do that until at least 20 in my 20s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just know, saying, theater. like a 14-year-old saying, okay, I was teaching at 14, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, most people at 14 are pretty retarded. <laughs> So I'm taking it martial arts made a difference with that. Oh, yeah. It gives you your, your balance in mind, your focus, your, your strength of character and body. It really does make a difference for the youth and adults alike, uh, for anyone who takes the classes. That's fair enough. Now, one of the questions I've got going on here, hang on. Hmm. What do you think about the current fight? Okay. This is really long-worded. But the short version would be, do you think that um, MMA is going to stick around? You know, MMA is still very, very new. It can, comparing it to boxing or kickboxing or wrestling or any of the really top blood sports, uh, it's only been around heavily since the early 90s. And... I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I only see it growing with all the new fighters, the new people trying to get into it at an amateur and basic professional level. I think this is going to be around for a long time. Um, I got one question. Gracie changed the game. What do you think it would be like if he hadn't have come in? Who is she? Well, okay, so if you... Well, Gra Gracie is a last name in reference to the Gracie family, and the Gracie family teamed up with a, a how about this? There was Japanese jujitsu essentially, and the gentleman who found it, or one of the teachers that brought it here to the states, and the Gracie family worked with him or worked uh, trained under him to create what is now known as Brazilian jujitsu, which is where you get all your cool takedowns and submissions and all that fun stuff. And one specifically went into the UFC at a very early time when they were still doing tournament-style fighting, like two guys fight, two guys fight, and then the winner of those two go on to the next level. And he absolutely ran through every fighter on several tournaments. And so if you're asking me what would it be like if he never came into the factor, I'd say MMA would not have progressed the way it did. We might have an entirely different way of fighting for mixed martial arts if it was still around, because jiu-jitsu absolutely made the difference. If you had no jiu-jitsu against someone who did, you were almost a guaranteed loss unless you got a lucky shot with a knee or a fist. Why does jiu-jitsu make a difference? And I'm sorry so to the angry people online after calling Gracie a woman, but don't. I, <laughs> what the hell do I know? <laughs> no, it's okay. So jiu-jitsu fills in the other half of MMA. So there's stand-up and there's ground. And... Of course, wrestling is a huge aspect to that as well. A lot of wrestling goes into MMA. But jiu-jitsu itself, if you ever take a fight to the ground, it's like an entire other world for you to use. Let's say your guy you're fighting against is a really good kickboxer, but he doesn't have any jiu-jitsu or any ground game. 
you can put him on his back and he'll look like a turtle while you play with him for however long you feel like. Do you do jujitsu? I do lots of jujitsu, yes. I, I've been around you. This turtle thing sounds like your sex life. Um, the... <laughs> the I, I'm sorry, just had to throw that in there. Uh, for those that don't know, Jared's into the same stuff Alexis is. So yes, um, uh, Jared's been on the before. I think you were uh, when we were talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey. I think. Yeah, he came on to yeah. talk about BDSM. So I, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, kind of the whole jujitsu thing sort of sounds like your sex life, at least from the way you've described it. It, it does give you a lot of interesting positions to use. <laughs> I didn't know you could apply it like that. Um, you Now, you take jiu-jitsu. Yes, I do. Where do you learn jiu-jitsu? I've had the pleasure of going through many different places to train in jiu-jitsu. Do you mean currently, right now? Yeah, sure. So, currently, I train in Cathedral City in the Hurricane Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, beautiful school, excellent teachers, and I've learned more from them uh, technique and movement-wise than I have at any other location before. Interesting. Okay. What other what other things? Like, so you're a professional fighter. Like, you're a fighter. This is what you do, but you still take classes. Right. You, you, never, you, you never get to a point where you're the top of the game. And I had the pleasure of telling this to one of my classes earlier on a few weeks ago. And no matter what you do, there's always some new cats, some new guys, some new movements, some new style of martial arts that's going to come in and just sweep everyone out from under their feet. And so if you don't stay on top of all the newest methods, sparring guys who are above you and beyond, you're never going to stay where you are. If you're the best fighter in the world right now and you stop moving forward training-wise and just do all the same stuff you've been doing, you will very quickly lose that spot because someone else is going to bring something brand new to the table, and you're going to be on flat on your ass, essentially. So what else do you study? So I study uh, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing. I did a lot of taekwondo, and so I implement a lot of my taekwondo moves into the MMA as well. And I also do wrestling. And you do boxing and right judo. now as well. Judo is a very fun and one. And judo. Now... You now I know you do boxing. You do that in Palm Springs. I know that. Yes. What do you think is the most like? What are the two most essential things people need to learn if they want to fight? If you were to walk into your first fight, you absolutely want to have uh, Muay Thai, kickboxing, and jujitsu. The other stuff is really fine tuning. Like you can go into a boxing school and get the best hands in the world, but boxing doesn't give you feet. And so Muay Thai is where you really want to start if you want to get into cage fighting uh, Im immediately. If you want to start jumping into that cage, you want to have the basics of Muay Thai and beyond, and then Jiu-Jitsu as well. I thought you liked boxing. boxing. I love boxing. It's given me great hands and a good, a good guard, good defense, and a good offense. But it does not give you feet. And if you're looking to get into MMA with just the basic level stuff, it's kickboxing and Jiu-Jitsu, hands down. Okay. What is, like, for you personally, what is your biggest fear? I know you, now, you're a pretty uh, pretty intrepid guy. You opened uh, Free MMA. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about that? Sure. So, Free MMA is actually something me and my mom decided to do together. Uh, piggybacking off the story I told you earlier where my dad died, 
I found that martial arts gave me a really solid foundation. It helped me get through a lot of my anger issues. And it meant a lot to me. But my mom, actually, for a long time, really struggled to keep me in the classes at, at some point working more than one job. And when she ha- unfortunately lost her job, she put things aside so that we could still take me to classes. And so I find that whether you can afford martial arts or not, whether it's a luxury to you or whether it's nothing or something that's out of your reach right now, you need to have something because it gives you such a great foundation for life, a good mindset, whether you're an adult, a child, a senior, anyone. And so I created with my mom free MMA in an effort to make that a reality so that no one has to pay for classes, no one has to pay for use of the gym. They can come to the school itself and work off steam, learn techniques, get the foundations to try and be a fighter themselves. And all at cost free because I don't believe that martial arts is a luxury it's, or a privilege. It's something that should be given to you like natural rights. You should have a natural right to go train martial arts and better yourself. And that's what I want to do for everyone. I like that. That's kind of cool sounding. Now, I know your own teachers have gone in there and taught. You also have um, Anderson Silva coming in to teach a class. Cub Swanson, he's a UFC fighter. You have uh, Oscar De La Hoya coming in. Um, I know you guys were talking to Mike Tyson. Why is everyone coming in? I mean, you. I, I know you went to uh, Comic-Con with us, and I was trying to get Sean Patrick Flannerty to come on for a show that I wanted him for, and he offered to come in and teach at your school because he does jiu-jitsu. Right, that was actually a very fun experience. Thank you for introducing me to him, by the way. I hate you. <laughs> well, I'd have to say that people... I haven't seen or heard a negative response to this idea yet uh, from anywhere around the Coachella Valley, anywhere from California. Someone actually reached out to me all the way from uh, Nevada, and he's now, uh, he's now in specifically Vegas teaching free martial arts as well. He had his own school. We had the same idea. And so he found me and started talking about what he's done with his students and what he does as far as teaching classes and different uh, instructors. And so nowhere have I received any negative backlash. No one's insulted. No one feels I'm trying to steal business from them. Everyone loves this idea, which made it really easy to get people like Anderson Silva and Cub Swanson, the guys who truly care about the fighting, truly care about giving back to their communities, uh, a spot to come in and teach seminars in the gym. I like that. Uh, one of the questions you got online, which is okay, is how do you apply martial arts to your sex life? I love Fifty Shades of Grey. Apparently, they oh, came in on that point. <laughs> <sighs> Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> You'll have to give more of an explanation than that. So, lots of floor work, oh, minimal hands, mostly the feet, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I oh, man, you, you can tie them in a pretzel, and then that's a new position for you right there to try out. Fair enough. I'd have to ask my PO. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, for you, what's the scariest part of doing this? The scariest part about doing mixed martial arts it's just, it's just the fear that any one moment could end your career. And it's not necessarily a knockout, not necessarily being tapped out, because that's not career-ending stuff. But, you know, someone kicks you the wrong way, blows out your ACL, you can still power through that and get surgery or uh, physical therapy and go back in the cage. But it's the shots that really affect your brain. Like, you hear about people getting brain bleeds or they get uh, huge dents and scars, or not scars, but 
you know, the skull getting fractured, and that could really lead to a that's that could be a fight ending, uh, career ending fight right there. So I think the that happened. That happened to a friend of the show, Sarah Snow. She ended up getting a brain bleed. I think you know Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Sarah and I are good friends. And in fact, she'll be coming with me to help uh, be in my corner for this upcoming fight tomorrow. Oh, cool. Um, but she got hit in the head and got a brain bleed. Right. And it was, com- it was completely by, it was a fluke. It was just a really big shot that happened to get past her guard and then unfortunately took her out of the game for a while. And so it's and she's one of and she's one of the luckier ones. She's looking at maybe getting back into it and doing some more stuff because she's able to make a really good recovery. But some people you read about or or, uh, or hear from different podcasts or shows or things they've been on, one shot can take you out permanently. And I think that's always the biggest fear is trying to avoid that one shot because that could be it right then and there. That makes sense. Who do you think is the worst fighter in the UFC? I'm asking this now because you can get in trouble. So or tell us. The, or, or I would say maybe because uh, like the worst fighter would be the person who hasn't like won a fight ever. But uh, who is who's the most overrated? Oh, I like that. Who's the most overrated fighter? The most overrated fighter? Mm-hmm. Man, the, I, that's so hard. And I love the guy, too. But I'd have to say it's Connor. And I, I don't mean it negatively. He's done so much for the sport. But I mean... The guys all stand up hands, and even sometimes it's enough. So you see in his fight, he gets taken to the ground, and he looks like a wet noodle, and it's unfortunate. So he's one of your favorite fighters, but he's overrated. Oh, yeah. I love the guy to death. I think he's funny. I think he's a great stand-up fighter. I, I don't think his jiu-jitsu is bad either. It's, for some reason, you put him on the ground, it's almost like he cracks. And so he builds up this huge, this, this huge uh, cloud of, you know, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, no matter what, you can't beat me, I'm going to take this guy out in the first round. And I'll give it to you, probably about 90% of the time, he's absolutely right. But it's the fights that you see, like with Khabib, where he really amped it up, really got everyone steaming, caused a huge fight afterwards, that he just doesn't deliver on. Who do you think is the best up-and-comer? And you can't say yourself. The best up-and-comer. Does it count if they're already in the UFC? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I, would go ask, I would have to say Israel Stylebender Adenzea. Uh, He's a beautiful striker. And, in fact, he looks like a young Muhammad Ali, to be honest with you. And okay. he's, a, he's, he's up for a title shot, which is why I was trepidatious about saying his name as an up-and-comer. But he just... He essentially just stepped into the UFC uh, spotlight, and he's already gone through so many top-level top guys. And so I'd have to say him for sure. I think he's going to be uh, one of those greatest to go down in history of the UFC or MMA in, uh, in general. So he's, the, he's, he's a contender? Yes. Who do you think... Okay. If you had to pick a fight between two people, who would you want to see and Why? I would love to see Conor McGregor against uh, Anderson Silva. Question we have. Uh, Cub, Cub Swanson seems like a pretty chill guy. Is he really a chill guy? Oh, yeah. Cub Swanson is very calm. He's a, a very good instructor. He's a very nice guy in general. 
I think a lot of the guys get a, a mis, uh, they get misconstrued as really huge monsters or uh, they're hyper full of destructive energy, and they're really just awesome, cool guys. They they have to be a certain way in the cage and talk their smack, but outside of their professional life, they're really just very nice. Okay, which guy's actually a dick in real life? <laughs> say, it, say it again. Are there any of them that are actually a dick in real life? I'm sure you could find one. I'm sure you could, but I personally haven't. Uh, ha- I haven't had the displeasure of meeting anyone who's like that. Fair enough. Now, with your fight tomorrow, what weight class are you fighting in? I'm fighting in the light heavyweight category, two hundred five. How much weight did you have to lose for your fight? I have, in total, lost thirty pounds for this fight. In how long? It's been about a. It's been a little over a week and a half. You lost thirty pounds in a week and a half. Yeah, and that's not even the most dramatic one. You, there are some really good fighters who have lost twenty plus pounds in a day. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of aspiring models who want to know some of your secrets. Yeah, seriously, I'm sitting here. I'm like, um, I modeled for a long time. How how do you do this? You have to have a lot of dedication and patience and really good restraint. So, so what's the secret, or uh, do we not get to know that? Mm, I, am I allowed to say you can't know? Because I don't want my next competitor to figure this out and be, you know, be on top of his game for me. Well, for the up-and-coming uh, fighters, what advice would you give them? Because I know everyone's asking about weight cutting. I know it's well, dangerous. Can, that much I do know. If I can give you advice, uh, find find a good friend of yours who does modeling and take their diet from them. Okay. Oh, mod- got the I, I got to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely yes, Paul. That is absolutely a part of it. The spray tan is a part but, of uh, it. I, but I, I got to tell you. Those models, they got to be up and going for several hours a day looking at, looking at a 10 out of 10. And they're, they're starving. They're dehydrated. They're no different than us, but they're not allowed to look tired. They're not allowed to look exhausted. And yet we can show up as fighters to weigh-ins looking like you know, skin and bones. We can look dead. And so they're on a diet that's just so incredible for their bodies. There's not a super amount of weight, uh, water cutting. There's not a crazy amount of food restriction. They eat extremely well. And it's mostly be- vegetarian food, maybe maybe a little bit of fish, maybe be a pescatarian. And it's all about quantity. You can't eat seven fish the day before a fight and expect to make weight. So it's how you space things out as well. Here's my next question. Are you hungry? Very. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you and I knew the answer to that one. Yeah. So why is the weight cut? At this point, I... Hmm? Go ahead. No, what were you saying? I said, at this point, I'm willing to do... I, I am usually a very picky eater, but at this point, I'll eat next to anything as long as it has a little bit of water in it, too. <laughs> why is weight cutting considered such a dangerous thing? Because it's massively unhealthy, just flat out. It is not good for your body to fluctuate you know, 20 plus pounds in such a short period of time. And you lose some of it during your training, but the point of a weight cut is to dramatically lose uh, an an exceptional amount of weight 
and then quickly put some of it back on, if not all of it back on, to be a stronger competitor. So a lot of guys you'll see, like, I, again, 205, when I started the weight cut, I was close to 235. And the reason I cut down for that instead of just being a heavyweight is because those heavyweights weigh in at 260, 270. And, you know, 40 pounds is a huge advantage for your other opponent. And so you cut that weight down to the next weight level and then try and get as much of it back on as you can within that day or hour span that you have so you can be a bigger opponent for your guy and make his life harder. Does, that sounds like it would be bad for your kidneys and stuff, though. It's massively unhealthy. And there's, there's other things you can do. People survive in this game for a while, so there's definitely different techniques and ways to do it. And you can even space out your weight cuts so you're not dropping you know, 30 pounds in a week and a half. I wouldn't recommend that. that that's not, it's very unhealthy. Didn't you just do that? I literally did just do that. If, if I had the <laughs> opportunity to, I would have taken three weeks to do it. You know, it would have taken longer, but uh, that is not what happened. <laughs> you talk about it like you didn't really have a call. I mean, how much time, how much notice do they give you with fights? I, I received... I received the date and specific timing probably a little more than two weeks out. Okay, so you really didn't have... No, it was, it was a close fight. I, these guys are going to put on a great show, and I was specifically looking to get into a cage fight, so I started looking around. I found these guys were going for it, so I asked them about it. They gave me the time and day, uh, the time and day just before uh, two weeks ago, so I immediately went on weight cutting right then. What's the most dangerous thing about cutting like that? Well, you can be dehydrated. You can have to go to the hospital. Fainting, uh, kidney failure, liver failure, internal organs just stop working. Because what you're doing is you're starving, dehydrating your body. And it's, it's not like a, for a period, it's not like for a moment, it's not like your body's going to easily recover. You have to do a lot of steps to make sure you don't fall over and die or you have a proper recovery method or time to do so and, and so it's the biggest risk is literally just you not getting back up again or this taking out one of your internal organs so why do it if it's so dangerous because it sounds like that could take you out of fighting the thrill of hitting someone else in the face the thrill of hitting someone else in the face you guys are idiots that's what i'm coming and get, up with and getting away with it yeah. yeah getting away with it yes totally legal well, do you do you ever have the moment in real life where you want to punch someone in the face? No, you know I, I have never I haven't felt a moment where I really felt that someone else deserves it uh, for two major reasons. One, I know if I touch him, I'm going to jail. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no yeah, way there's around that. that. And and two, it's probably not worth whatever it is. It's over. I mean. You can get in a fight with someone on, on the road because he cut you off or because you flashed his high beams at you. You can get into a fight right there on the side of the highway or street. But in the end, is it worth it? I mean, I tell this to my students as well. If, you, if you're going to get in a street fight, assume the guy is crazy and he has a gun. So what's your, what's your method of fighting him if he's armed with a deadly weapon? You run. And so I, I'd sooner run away from a street confrontation than engage in one. I hear that from a lot of fighters. A lot of people that like aren't into that are just like, yeah, I'm going to kick his ass. Fighters are just like, screw it. I'm not doing this. No, it's just not worth your health. Again, your body is your job. You get a stab wound and now you're bleeding out on the side of the road and no one's there to help you. There goes your career. It's a valid point. I guess it's, uh, I guess you guys as well don't really have anything to prove. Where can everyone find you on social media, Jared? We're at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. 
You guys can find me on all social media platforms at Bear Fiorda. We will put up a link. And, of course, Paul, where can they find you? Well, uh, you can still listen to old episodes, uh, the same ones that have been there for a year on YouTube. Uh, on uh, Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, the podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. All right, guys, thank you very, very much for tuning in. We are at the end of the show, and I got caught up, and I'm sorry I didn't get to a lot of your answers and uh, a lot of your questions, and I know everyone's going to be angry. Uh, Jared's going to be fighting tomorrow at the USKO Fight Night. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Boland, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.